My name's Peter Scott. I serve here as a senior pastor. If I haven't met you, I hope to do that today. So please come up and say hello. Uh, Helen and I, my wife, uh, we have date night uh, uh, as often as we can, but usually it's sort of once a week on a Friday. And sometimes instead of date night, we call it junk food and movie night. And the trouble with junk food and movie night is picking a movie. And on Friday night, we decided to watch a Liam Neeson movie. Uh, it's called The Marksman. I've got a picture of, uh, of Liam up here for you. Uh, and uh, we often choose Liam Neeson movies because we know what we're going to get. I don't know if you've seen a Liam Neeson movie recently, uh, but here is the storyline. Uh, the storyline is that ne Liam is about to retire from something. He's a mild-mannered guy, although he does have a background and history in either the CIA, the FBI, the armed forces, the Marines, some special forces, something like that. And for the first five minutes of the movie, we get to meet Liam and the people he loves. Uh, the people he loves, like his wife or his family or somebody he's sort of, sort of met and looking after. But after that first five minutes, suddenly appears on the scene the bad guys. Now, the bad guys are always after something of Liam's family, something of his loved ones. And the rest of the movie is all about how Liam goes about saving and redeeming his loved ones from the bad guys. There's a lot of collateral damage for the bad guys, let me tell you. The bad guys don't come off so well. There's a lot of dead bad guys in Liam Neeson movies. In fact, just a tip when we can travel again, Paris is the worst place to get killed by Liam Neeson. More people have died in Paris at Liam's hands than anywhere else. So this movie that we got to watch uh, was an expected story. And we quite like knowing what's going to happen. By the way, just so happens, brilliant coincidence, that this evening there are two Liam Neeson movies on the TV uh, on Channel 7 if you'd like to watch them and, and uh, check out the exact plot line that I just shared with you. Um, so we, we have these expected stories that sometimes we like watching. Of course, we're in a series about unexpected stories. Unexpected stories. That's the series we've been in. Today's the last one of, of our series. And uh, so that, that's a very expected one because you know what's going to happen. And unexpected, of course, we're not quite sure. Um, so today I thought I'd try something a little bit different and I'd tell you exactly what we're going to talk about for the next, uh, next few minutes. So I've got a slide here that tells us what we're going to cover this morning. We're going to be talking about a donkey, ghost and a whale, uh, the death penalty, Luke 23, more bad guys. Uh, I see that hand throwing stones, Kazakhstan, salty complaints, and to bring it all home, to vax or not to vax. You ready? Excellent. All right. Let's go. So first of all, donkey, ghost, and a whale. Now, maybe you've, you've connected the dots here. In our series, we've covered some really strange, interesting, and unexpected stories out of the Bible. Now, there are two that aren't up there, so I'm going to cover those first. Uh, Yvette talked to us about the strange story of Zacchaeus where Jesus is wandering along, sees a short guy in a tree and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your place for lunch. Brian talked to us about the first miracle that Jesus did, this unexpected moment where the water was turned to wine. Uh, and, and the great phrase that Brian used was the idea that Mary, Jesus' mother, said to the servant, Go and do whatever he tells you. Do whatever Jesus tells you. The other unexpected thing about that sermon, if you were here, is that apparently Brian used to be a gymnast. 
Is there anything our pastor at large can't do? Unexpected stories. It's got the lot. Um, then we went on to, uh, Nick was doing the Shunammite woman. Uh, talked about the idea that God's in every scene in our life. Uh, we talked about the uh, a Pentecost. Brian did Pentecost. This amazing idea that a group of people that were kind of huddled in and in a room, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they launched us, this global church with hundreds of millions, if not billions of people in it. Unexpected. Sarah talked to us about the donkey that talked, Balaam's donkey. And Dave last week told us a little bit more about the story of Jonah in the belly of the whale. And, and what stuck with me, it was lots of good stuff out of Dave's sermon, but just that idea that Jonah in the whale was not God trying to force Jonah to do something, but that was the opportunity for redemption for Jonah. So what are we talking about today? What's our unexpected story today? Well, our unexpected story today contains the death penalty. Big topic, the death penalty. Now, uh, in Australia, we no longer have the death penalty. Uh, anyone, anyone know when the last person executed in Australia was, Mike? 1963, somewhere in the 60s, yes, uh, correct. However, um, I wonder if you know this, Western Australia has a very interesting part to play in Australia's death penalty story. We happen to be the state where the first European death penalty was executed in 1629 after the Batavia mutiny. We also happen to be the state where the last death penalty in this country was handed down. Anyone want to guess what year that was? When the last death penalty was issued to somebody. 1984. That feels pretty recent to me. In 1984, in Western Australia, the last death penalty was issued. Now, the sentence was commuted to life imprisonment, and soon afterwards, also in 1984, West Australia said, actually, we don't want to do the death penalty anymore. But why would we have done the death penalty in the first place? Why have the death penalty? Well, it's this, it's this moment where a society says, actually, some people are irredeemable. There are some people, we're going to call them the bad guys, that actually we need to take them away from society, they're irredeemable. And a society and the authorities say, that's what the death penalty is for. Now this idea's been around for a long time, of course. In the Roman Empire, they had the death penalty. And we're quite familiar with this in the Bible because, of course, we know that Jesus was crucified. And uh, today's story is actually about the time in the midst of that death penalty that Jesus and two other people were serving. And so we're going to read a very short passage about a conversation that happened in the middle of the death penalty being carried out. So if you want to join with me, we're going to look in Luke chapter 23, uh, starting at verse 38. We're reading just a few verses through to verse 44. Now, it'll be up on the screen, but I encourage you to grab your Bible or your phone, because as we talk this morning, we might go back and refer to it, and it might not be up on the screen. So just take a moment, grab your phone, Luke 23, and we're looking at uh, uh, verse 38 through to 43. So let's read that. There was, written, there was a written notice above him, of course, above Jesus, which read, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung, hurled insults, who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? 
Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now on the one hand, this, this might be a familiar story to you, and, and often we talk about this at Easter. But I see some incredibly unexpected things in this story. And the first one is this. I put myself in the shoes of the criminal, the thief who's hanging there. And I can't help but think I'd probably be more like the first guy who's just angry and upset and desperate and accusatory. But the second guy does this unexpected thing. He actually turns to Jesus and asks him this this sort of question, hey, can I, can I come into your kingdom? Now, why is that unexpected? Well, we don't know anything about this thief. We don't know how much he'd heard about Jesus, but, but we can expect he'd probably heard a little bit. We, we, he wasn't a disciple, though, so, so he hasn't got a whole lot of information about Jesus. And so why would you, in the midst of the last moments of your life, turn to a person who's also got the death penalty right next to you? Why would you turn to that person? How can that person help you in any way? This is not the risen Jesus. This is the guy who was walking around Galilee talking about amazing things, but now he's hanging on a cross next to you. I find that quite unexpected. Why ask him? The second thing that I find really unexpected here is that Jesus answers graciously. Now, I know what you're going to say. We're all in church. We all know that Jesus is amazingly gracious. But remember, Jesus was fully God, but he's also fully man. He's hanging there with all of the pain and agony that you or I would feel. Now, again, let's put ourselves in the shoes of someone who's going through something painful. So I don't know if you've had a day like this. Have you ever had a day where you've had a really tough day? It's been a terrible day at work. You're feeling awful. You're heading home. You have a little bingle in the car. Then you get home. You open the door. The red light on the dishwasher's on. It's broken. Then you remember you were supposed to bring dinner home, and you didn't. You're hungry. You're starving. You're frustrated. You've got Zoom calls all night tonight, and this is just Monday. And just at that moment, as you come in the door, somebody in the family says, hey, can you help me? No, no, I can't. I need help. Okay, it might just be me, but I I don't know if you feel like that, but the moments where you're in your life and you're feeling really bad, life is difficult and tough at this moment, when somebody asks you for help in that moment, what's your immediate sense of response? To me, it's unexpected when someone's able to respond, hanging in agony on a cross to somebody else. Maybe just me, but I'm pretty self-focused. So there's this unexpected moment where Jesus responds lovingly and graciously. And the third part of the unexpectedness of this story for me is this unexpected salvation. Now, as I read this story, it sounds to me like this thief, Jesus, says, 
welcome into eternal life. To me, that is unexpected because this, this thief is one of the bad guys. Now, I wanted to show you a slide of the bad guys, but as I thought about the Liam Neeson bad guys, it, it's pretty messy, it's a bit graphic. They're always dead, you know, they always get shot several times. So instead, I've got these bad guys for you. It's the Disney bad guys, all right? So as you look at them, I want you to picture and think real bad guys. This thief is a bad guy. Again, we know nothing about this person other than they have been sentenced to death. Not only that, but actually this guy says, and, and I deserve it. I know I deserve to be here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's an admission. Maybe done nothing good in his life, and yet Jesus says, eternal life is yours. Welcome into the kingdom. That is surely unexpected. Now, for those of us who have been around Christ, around church for a long time, we sort of say, yeah, I know that. But you know, I've been thinking about this more deeply. Just walking through this week, realizing what's actually deep in my heart, that sometimes, actually, I don't do things right. That I suspect for each of us, we recognize that element of, yeah, sometimes I'm, I am the bad guy. And yet, here we have Jesus saying to this person right at the very end of their life, yes, salvation's for you too. And it opens up my mind. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, he sort of foreshadowed this a little bit, in Matthew 8, 11, he actually says to them, do you know what? There are people who are going to come to the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're going to come from the east and the west. In other words, it's really unexpected who's actually going to be in this kingdom of mine. And as we read this unexpected story, it only reinforces in my mind that point that perhaps, just perhaps, there are people that we might sit here and say, you know, I think they're kind of a bad guy. I don't think they're going to make it. Maybe God looks at them differently. And I'd extend that into this idea of, well, how did this bad guy get saved? Now, we've got a, we've got a mechanism in church, don't we? And it's a good one. So please hear me correctly. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. But what we'll do is we'll uh, do a sermon. Uh, and at the end of the sermon, we give people an opportunity to respond. Because that's really good. Uh, we, we, if, if the Holy Spirit is moving, we want to give people a chance to say, you know, it's not just up here, but take a step. We say, raise your hand. I see that hand. That is a beautiful thing to say. I see that hand because it says there's something happening in, in somebody's life that's prompted them to make a change. But this passage is not a particular prayer that's been prayed. This passage is not somebody raised their hand. This passage is just somebody admitting they've led a really bad life, saying, Jesus, can you help me in these last moments? And Jesus says, yes. And so the unexpected part of this story is not just who it is, but how. Maybe there are lots of different ways for people to enter this kingdom. Maybe God's more gracious and merciful than we think. Amazing. So that's what I wanted to draw this morning out of this passage. This unexpected story that you might be thinking, well, I knew that. And if that's what you're thinking, 
Hallelujah. This is the gospel that we believe. This is the good news that we believe. It's the unexpected story that you and I, no matter what we've done, no matter when in our lives we ask it, we have the opportunity to have this grace and mercy from Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So that is the end of our Unexpected Stories series. And I thought finishing off with the good news of the gospel for every single one of us, not just here, but all of those from the East and the West, that's a good place to finish. But I've got another 10 minutes and I haven't finished my list, so I'm going to keep going for just a little bit longer. And I want to ask this question, what do we do with that? We've been listening to these unexpected stories now for a few weeks. What, what do we do with them? And so I've got a few suggestions for us. And my first suggestion is this, is that we, we, we start to see our own lives actually as unexpected stories. See, I've got, a, I've got a hypothesis that I want to test with you, and it's this, that as Christ followers, we are going to live unexpected stories ourselves, that your life and my life is full of unexpected stories. I want to give you an example of one that I've, I've realized uh, in, in my life. And some of these stories you see immediately, some you see retrospectively, but the key thread through them is you see the hand of God at work. Now, God's at work all the time, in your life, in my life, in this world. But sometimes we get a greater glimpse. Now, when I was a youth, a young man, um, no, I wasn't a young man, I was a youth. I was younger than a young man. And I finished a set of exams, and my friends and I, we thought, oh, great, we got the night to ourselves. We lived in a sort of a, a suburb that was being built, so not a lot of people around, open roads. And uh, being youths, we decided that a really clever idea would be to throw some stones. Throw some stones. And of course, uh, it's much more fun when you throw stones uh, at a target, right? So we were throwing stones at each other. And uh, we, I've got a picture here of throwing stones. And it's a sort of a slightly different graphic, but uh, this was in a different setting. But at least you can see the stones moving through the air. And we got further and further apart. And as we... As we, sorry, I'm just seeing my daughter go, oh my goodness, Dad, you did bad things. I'm sorry to break it to you today, honey, but yes, once. I mean, maybe this is the only story, maybe not. Anyway, we were throwing stones at each other, and uh, we got further and further apart, and we were, you know, we were kind of really getting into this, and it was getting really fun. And of course, you know what happens, right? We didn't think this through, because we were youths at the time. At a certain moment, one of my friends yells out in pain. He was down the other end puts his hand over his face, and in that moment, of course, we all thought, oh, gee, maybe this wasn't such a clever idea. And we run to him, and we take him to a house of, of one of the people that we, we, his house that we live nearby, and as he's standing there, sort of just dripping into the bath with his blood, we're all thinking, oh, no. But to keep the story short, he didn't lose his sight. The cut from the rock was, oh, I don't know how to describe it, but it was within millimetres of his eye. It was a time that I look back on and realise, surely that was the grace of God. That, to me, was a God moment. Now, you can say it's coincidence, but in my heart of hearts, I really believe that God protected him that night from going blind. What's your stories? What stories in your life do you have of things that didn't happen, things that did happen, 
where you say, I know that I know that I know I saw God. It was unexpected. I didn't deserve it. I think being able to see those stories is really powerful. I also think we're called to live out unexpected stories in our lives. So that was a story of recognizing where God did something. I think we're called into living out unexpected lives. And the first thing I want to say to you is that uh, let's dispel this, this idea that living as a Christian is boring. Living as a Christ follower is the most incredible adventure you can have, and have I got a story for you. This story is about a couple in our congregation, many of you know them, John and Elaine Ollie. Now I sat down, I've asked John if I could tell this story. I sat with John, one of the first times I met him, uh, you know, we're just sharing our stories, what's happened in your life. And John shared this brilliant story of uh, uh, retiring. And, uh, and John retired and there was a quip, apparently, a quip by somebody at his retirement function who said to him, John, uh, you know that Moses' ministry started at 70, right? Ha, 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 ha. And, and you yeah, know, very funny, you know, I'm retiring. But then fast forward a year or two later, and John and Elaine get invited to and end up choosing to go to Kazakhstan as missionaries. Missionaries not in their 20s. So I've got a picture of the capital, Almaty, where they were based. Missionaries not in their 20s, not in their 30s, 40s, 50s. No, missionaries in their 60s. Wow, that is an adventurous life, if you ask me. Following Jesus, and who knows? I thought I was going to retire. No, why don't you go off to Kazakhstan for a few years and be missionaries? Okay. Now, the adventure in the Christian life doesn't have to be going overseas. There are all sorts of adventures that we can have right here in our lives with other people and things that God calls us into. But I thought I'd use that sort of extreme example that's just a picture of this unexpected story that we get called into when we follow Christ. Now that is an exciting story, but it would also have brought with it challenge. And that's the next part that I want to talk about in our unexpected stories we're called to live. I think as we step into these unexpected spaces that God calls us into, there might be some unexpected consequence. And that unexpected consequence is likely to be uncomfortable. Now, we have a vision to be flourishing communities of hope. I want to suggest to you that as we step into that, as we be and make disciples who love and serve, that's our mission. As we step into those things, perhaps some unexpected pieces will happen for us. Things that are not necessarily comfortable. Things that might carry with it some cost. That will also be part of the unexpected story that we get to step into. Right throughout the Bible, Jesus says, count the cost. There's awesome adventure, but there is a cost and that's part and parcel of this unexpected story that we get called into. And the last thing I want to say about this unexpected story is that it requires us to behave unexpectedly. I don't mean randomly. I mean to behave unexpectedly compared to perhaps how society behaves. If I think about good old Liam Neeson and all of his movies, the reason we like those, I think the reason I like them, is because justice is done I know what's going to happen. 
Those bad guys, they deserved that punishment, didn't they? And yet we read this story. We read this story about a guy who probably did deserve punishment, who acknowledges he deserves punishment, but Jesus says, oh no, you can come into the kingdom. All you did was say a few words to me. Something happened in your heart. Welcome in. Jesus behaved totally unexpectedly. And we're called to follow the words, the works, the ways of Jesus. We're called to behave in the same way. We are called to, be, uh, to have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. That's going to be unexpected. Let me give you an example. Uh, Helen and I were talking uh, about someone who's not, not in our congregation. Um, but someone who we, we had interactions with, and it, it was, uh, we, we were just frustrated with what was happening. We're getting a bit, now I think this is the right word, salty. We had this sort of salty complaint about this person. We're upset. And we'd actually heard that other people might have had the same sort of concerns and issues. Um, and, and as we sort of heard this gossip, we're talking about it, and we, we got into the middle of this conversation, and we suddenly realized, hold on. This feels sort of like negative gossip. I wonder. I wonder what it would be like if we started to change our conversation to think about that person and how we could help them. Unexpected behavior would be to actually go to that person and say, hey, we just we want to share this with you and want to let you know that the way you're doing this, it's actually it's probably having an impact uh, on, on others that maybe you can't see. And I think that would be an unexpected step. First of all, that we shifted our conversation from salty complaints to being salt and light. We've talked about being a salt factory around here, about stepping into behaviours that are different, that show the love of Jesus just like he showed on that cross, that follow the words, the works and the ways of Jesus Christ. So can I suggest to you as we wrap up that we've talked a lot about these unexpected stories in the Bible. Amazing messages of how God works. And I think we're called to recognize the unexpected stories that we're living out. That God is doing things in our lives and to see those. And we're called to step in in the way that we behave in ways that can be unexpected to the world around us and show and shine God's light.